Good morning everyone and welcome to Left After Breakfast. I'm Susanna Duffy and I'll be joined by the rest of the team a little later on. So stay tuned. Ah, Good morning, you're listening to 3CR, the only radio left. The Persian poet and theologian Rumi has a well-known line from one of his poems written in the mid-13th century. And that line is, Fish begins to stink at the head, not the tail. We still quote that line. We say nowadays, Fish rots from the head down. And that's what we'll be looking at in the program today, listener. Fish rots from the head down. I'm sure that you saw last weekend in Melbourne a mob of protesters in our streets protesting about our pandemic laws. But what was so chilling about that mob on the weekend was the mock gallows being carried through our streets, complete with three nooses, while people were calling for the death by hanging of the Premier of Victoria, Dan Andrews. Now this mob, but this mob was composed of anti-vaxxers. You always expect them to be anti-vaxxers. Some QAnon believers, some neo-Nazis, some religious zealots and Trump supporters. Yes, in Victoria. Perhaps they want to make Melbourne great again. But what unites this disparate group is a common desire to live free of all government intervention. Like their personal rights, their personal expressions are of more importance than public health, much less public good. Coincidentally, or perhaps not coincidentally, over those same few days, the Prime Minister, in a striking performance even for him, consistently referred to Australians being sick of governments seeking to control them, particularly after the last couple of years of lockdown. His message was designed to feed the grievances of these protesters and to let them know that they have his support. Now, Morrison has a history of decades-long connection with Australian QAnon supporters. He has an intimate connection with the leading QAnon supporter, Tim Stewart, and his wife, Linnell. The Stewarts have stayed at Kirribilli House, and Linnell Stewart was employed there as a companion for Morrison's wife, Jenny, on a nice salary, mind you. But this arrangement has now ceased. Linnell has lost her job after a considerable, considerable amount of public scrutiny. Now, when the leader of your country entertains and harbours and guests right-wing extremists in his home, Well, it's hardly surprising that you see gallows and nooses in your street. It's hardly surprising that you hear people, I can't think of another word to describe them that I can say on radio, hardly surprising you see people calling to hang the Premier of Victoria. Death threats were also made against three Victorian crossbenchers who are working with Labour to streamline the pandemic laws. But what is so shocking is the deafening silence from almost all of the politicians across the board and all of the media on this weaponisation of menace and it marks yet another dark turn in Australian politics. We now live in a country where the political class conspicuously does not condemn death threats against politicians. 
it would seem that both of the major parties are dependent on right-wing extremists for votes, and neither party is willing to risk alienating them by condemning their behaviour. And just for a moment, listener, imagine if those protesters with their gallows on the streets of Melbourne, if those protesters were Indigenous, what would the reaction be then? You tell me. And you know the sun's setting fast And just like they say nothing good ever lasts Well go on now and kiss it goodbye But hold on to your lover Cause your heart's bound to die Go on now and say goodbye To our town To our town Can't you see the sun setting down on our town, on our town, good night. Up the street beside the red neon line, that's where I met my baby on one hot summer night. He was the tender and the order to bear. Been 40 years and I'm still sitting here. But you know the sun's setting fast, and just like they say, nothing could ever last. Go on now and kiss it goodbye, but hold on to your love, cause your heart's bound to die. Go on now and say goodbye to our town, to our town. Walked down Main Street in the cold morning mist Over there is where I bought my first car It turned over once but then it never went far And I can see the sun setting fast And just like they say nothing good ever lasts Go on now and kiss it goodbye And hold on to your lover But your heart's bound to die Pretty brick wall. I bring them flowers about every day, but I just gotta cry when I think what they'd say. If they could see how the sun's setting fast, and just like they say, nothing good ever lasts. We'll go on now and kiss you goodbye, but hold on to your love, cause your heart's bound to die. Go on now and say goodbye to our town, to our town. Can't you see the sunset?
watch the lightning bugs fly But I can't see too good I've got tears in my eyes I'm leaving tomorrow But I don't want to go I love you, my town You'll always live in my soul But I can see the sun setting fast And just like they say Nothing good ever lasts Go on, I gotta kiss you goodbye But I hold to my lover Cause my heart's bound to listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet www.3cr.org.au 3CR But let's look at something a little more light-hearted for the moment and this is from our resident historian his and her historian our historian and this will cheer you up a little bit hopefully Good morning again, Glenn. How are you, my dear? Do you recall the old days when TV first arrived on Australian shores? The old days when we first had TV in Australia. I do remember when we first had TV in Australia, yeah, because we had the first TV in my street. Did you know? And I had a lot of new friends that year. You would have. They came around to watch the test pattern with me. <laughs> the test pattern was a favourite all around Melbourne. The TV was, wasn't on from three o'clock till some rather, but there was a kitty show on ABC and we'd watch the test pattern, which was a red Indian with a wall bonnet Whoa. until you got the five, four, three, two, one or something, and then the kitty show. But epilogue closed the day. Yes. It came on at midnight till 8am or so, goodness. And there was a 6 o'clock news on There was Eric nine, Pierce I on think, 9, I recall. But followed by, there's a coming under your bed. He was on Sunday mornings when I remember him. But he was after the news. He was on Sunday mornings for the wrestling on Channel 9. Uh, what was your favourite show when you were a kitty? The ABC Children's Show. Did you watch... Um, did you watch Robin Hood? Riding through the Glen. That's the one. Robin Hood with his band of men, feared by the bad, loved by the good. Robin Hood. Yes, I liked Robin Hood. Do you know who made that series? Do you know the history of that series? History of the series? No. No, they were made in the UK by Sapphire Films. And Sapphire Films was set up in the UK by a woman called Hannah Weinstein. And she was an American communist. Yeah. She left America in the late 40s, the Cold War, and the House of Un-American Activities Committee being established. Oh, yeah. And she got away from America. She went to Paris, then to England, and the American Communist Party, the Hollywood branch, gave her money to make films. And one of the most famous series sapphire films made was Robin Hood. Oh, right. 
Feared were. by the bad, loved by the good, robbed the rich to feed the poor. They also made films like William Tell as well. They made a whole lot of those adventure films. And um, uh, Hannah Weinstein did. She got a whole lot of speed script writers and stuff in the US who were blacklisted, who have lost their passports. And they were stuck in LA, Washington, New York. And she got them to write pseudonyms and paid them money for doing the scripts of these stories because they, they couldn't find work back in the US. Yeah. She created work in the UK for them by Robin Hood and these sort of shows. And... Um, we don't hear about Hannah Weinstein or her work, do we? William Tell. That's right, Hannah Weinstein and William Tell. South Park Films made a series of programs from the early 50s to the early 60s. And I think the two most famous I remember are Robin Hood and William Tell. And Hannah Weinstein was the producer. She was the brains behind it. William Tell was a revolutionary, wasn't he? That's right. But he's mainly remembered for shooting an apple off someone's head. Mm. Well, if you were Robin Hood, the uh, the rich the rich were very uh, self serving. They had sort of acolytes, sort of crawlers, like the food chain, and uh, the robbers, the Robin Hood band. I mean, they were merry men, and they fought the good fight against oppression and injustice. And Robin Hood was a, a, a metaphor for fighting the good fight, which you couldn't obviously say in the US, could you? Or the UK, or Australia. They had a wise of these black bands, writers, producing wonderful kid shows, like Robin Hood and William Tell to. To throw our attention to offensive, so to against injustice and to fight against oppression. I can't remember the actor's name. Uh, I think, if my memory is right, Richard Green. Richard Green, of course, it was Richard Green. He was the one. And another support of her. Have you heard of Christina Steed? Christina Steed, no. She was an Australian novelist. She was um, a contemporary of Jean Devaney, uh, Catherine Susanna Pritchard. Uh, Christina Steed wasn't a, a Communist Party member. She was a fellow traveller, but she wrote a lot of work also for Sapphire Films with Hannah Weinstein. And again, you've never heard of Hannah Weinstein, Christina Steed. They've written out about history of these people. We don't hear their stories, and that's why in the past this segment's been called Our Story, Bear Story, Your Story, His Story, Her Story. And we've forgotten these names, and they're part of our struggle. So Hannah Weinstein, Christina Steed, they were great thinkers for our cause. They're fighting depression and injustice. And again, where else up in three shall we hear these people being mentioned? Well, I'll certainly remember their names in future. Hannah Weinstein and Christina Steed. Christina was, of course, Australian, you said. She was, she was from Sydney. She, um, she went to Paris in the 1930s. She uh, spent, oh, time, luck. spent time in, in Spain in the Civil War. She married Jack Blake, the communist, um, then she was banned from returning to Australia, and she, it was an award she lost. It was an award she should have received for her literary work, but because she was in Australia, she wasn't eligible to get it. You know how they stole, um, who was the famous filmmaker who lost his, um, Wilfred Birchall? You know how they stole his passport? Yes, yes. Similar to her, they didn't steal her passport, so basically you're not in Australia, so you won the award, but you're not here, so you're not going to get it. So they had ways of, you know, the blacklist in the US weren't in the US alone. The blacklist occurred here too. It's a bit like Christina Steed and various others who, falling suppression, had to pay a penalty. But they're important names for us to know. It's worrying though, Glenn, because that attitude towards journalists is here again. I suppose it never went away, but it was hidden and couldn't really come out and run rampant. Now I see journalists, good journalists, being sneered at, derided and sued. Not just being sued, but being threatened also. We're seeing the rise of these, these fascist mobs and um, 
journalists and television crews being threatened and assaulted in, at these rallies, these, these gatherings of Dunning Kruger Nazis. And um, yeah. I mean, we're living in scary times. And I suppose a people like Christina Steed went through and um, Hannah Weinstein and the blacklisted rise in the US. It might happen again. And um, yeah, we've got some very unpleasant things happening in the world, my dear. Well, thank you for reminding me or actually letting me know about these these producers, these heroes. They were heroes. I said, and they use shows like Robin Hood, William Tell, to show how to fight oppression, but it's, it's real. But yeah, and the powers of rules, they're not wonderful people. They're slippery, sleazy characters. And these shows expose them in a, in a way which you can enjoy and appreciate. So, um, yeah, listeners, if you weren't tuned to 3 South today, you wouldn't know these stories. And until I return, in the words of my forebears, Chocula. Good heavens, who knew while I was sitting there in my school uniform watching Robin Hood, I was actually learning about fighting the good fight. I'll look out for anything that was produced by Hannah Weinstein in future. I really will. That's really what you call a blast from the past. Did you watch Robin Hood when you were a kid? Crikey, I did. Now let's hear from the BL from the bush with more on the theme of The Fish Rots From The Head Down. Good morning, comrade. Good morning, listener. Let's see. BL from the bush calling in. Hope you're all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and all double-jabbed up. So we go to ICAC, the Independent Commission Against Corruption Act. Now, what's going on there, listener? You know, there's different states have them and they've got their scalps and they're in, they look into the corruption or mismanagement of public funds or whatever in the states. They seem to be working all right. Yet the federal government... And they're all complicit in this. Both both sides of the house are all the politicians that they don't want one. It's obvious that they don't want one. They make more excuses than, than a Collingwood football cheer squad. Sorry, Susanna. But um, the Independent Commission Act is politicians the major parties are guilty of dragging their feet on the federal ICAC. You may ask why. Well, it is very, in, very obvious that they hate being scrutinised on their actions, whether it be on personal behaviour or their involvement in wasting taxpayers' dollars for their political ends. Keep their ass on a bit of leather up there. Not only would ICAC clean up what is obviously a toxic workplace, but make sure that there's a clear 
and transparent political process in place. That's so you and I and the rest and the rest of the country can really see what's going on there, where their money is being spent, and where the so-called leadership, where it's directed to by good governance. No, no, we can't have that. We'll just do. And it's the old politician's creed, listener. Do as I say, not as I do. And that sort of brings me now to another absolute lack of leadership. And you can sort of see about this is there is, I, I think anyway, my own personal view, that there's, there's a racial undertone in all this that went on there. Turnbull was running the show then and he had a lot of people behind him, prodding him about the Uluru statement from the heart. Now, a listener really is, is an indictment on how we do treat our Indigenous First Nations people. The most disgusting inaction of a coalition government involving our Indigenous people was the way they dismissed the Uluru Statement from the heart. Not only did they dismiss it, but they summarily threw it in the bin. The unrelenting hard work done by our First Nations people that went into putting this document together was nothing more than commendable. The young the educated, the aunties, the elders, lawyers and community leaders all banded together and went out on country across their land with interpreters, sat down with their people to talk about the Uluru Statement and to get approval for it. Sit-downs and gatherings of this magnitude and scale have never been done before, which goes to show you the determination and belief they had in trying to make a change. Also, what they had done was to show the rest of the country what good leadership, trust and commitment can do. The coalition can't even get any way near that cooperation in their party room. They don't even, they, they, they're still fighting about what day of the week it is, let alone implement a project of that scale in significant importance to the country. And again, that just goes to straight out bad leadership, racial undertones, within that coalition government. Then not to mention the lies that were told, the lies that they said that the, the First Nations people wanted a third chamber so they could run the show. No, that's not right. Straight out lies. All they wanted was, was to have a committee to address their issues, then present them to the lower house. But that's just a few things, listeners, that, that I would really like you to, to reflect back on. And also, listener, again, I'd just like to ask you, as we always do, is that if you could take all this on board and get out there and let's get rid of this government. Let's get rid of this, this, this evil, evil government. The way they treat people that are less well off, that are on the bones of their ass, that are disabled, disadvantaged, poor, struggling, is just, just abhorrent. And, that's, and they seem to get off on that. That's what they seem to enjoy. So, listener, if we can, I won't tell you, I won't sit here and tell you who to vote for, but I might tell you who not to vote for, and that's the incumbent government at the moment. Because another four years of this mob is just going to be horrific. It will be horrific for everyone that's struggling, and we all know that the next few years are going to be a struggle. And this mob will just do nothing but put the boot into the, to the battler more and more and more. You know, uh, listen, the, the, old, the old stove, the back burner on the stove's getting full. They've got a lot of stuff bubbling away there on the back burner. They've got, they've got Medicare, Medibank, Medicare. You know, they've always wanted to have a go at that, want to privatise that. That's, that's always in the, in the grab bag. 
they've got, I think, that also is that the, the, the Yodonga, your house. Now, there's ridiculous house prices we've got at the moment. And then again, there's more lack of leadership, more lack of, of good governance there. How, how it could be ever let to get to the stage that it is, is beyond me. But that's there. They'll be saying, oh, your house is worth this. This, come, this will be coming to the time when you want to retire and you put your chit in to, to get the pension. Well, they're going to be saying, well, you're in a million and a half dollar home. We're going to use that as an asset. That's there. Don't, don't, don't be fooled by that. But I'm telling you that it won't happen. It's there. It, don't worry. They've all had a bit of a look at that one. So that's something else for you to look forward to in your retirement is that you just may not get the full pension because you're in a so-called million dollar home. That's there sitting away, bubbling away. Also, there's um, the cashless debit card or welfare card that uh, we've all sort of had a bit of a run out over the few weeks. But I know, I know for a fact that Susanna's got the, this in her sights and there's been some, uh, some recent developments in that that'll really, really get you jumping up and down. But I won't steal Susanna's thunder on that. I'll let her give you the details of that down the track. Yeah, so there's a few things there that they'll, they will implement, uh, listener, and we've got to stop them. We, we must, must get rid of this, this evil, vindictive, cruel government. And uh, the way of doing that is what we've always done, is we talk amongst ourselves, we have meetings, we, we get the word out that they must be stopped. And I sort of implore you, uh, listener, if we can all get together to stop, stop these parasites, the quicker, the better. Well, that's about it for me today, listener. Thanks for your time, and uh, I'll go out the same old way. Dare to struggle, dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. And it's good morning from Left After Breakfast, the only show left. And take the bread from off my plate But you can't break me Lock me out, chain the gates Put black shirts in with dogs and mace I'll hold the line, won't step away Cause you can't break me I belong, you belong We belong to the union Don't count me out when I'm on the floor We'll win again, we've won before The streets will ring with a mighty roar you can't break me Stocks rise up on workers' backs Profits soar while you hand out the sack Boardroom bullies bloated and fat But you can't break me Australia's sold to mates offshore Backroom deals and shonky law This day has come, we say no more You can't break me I belong, you belong, we belong to
to fight I swear I'll never lay down and die I'm in the union, mate, got a right to belong We'll be back, million strong Women and men united as one Cause you can't break me There's a warning here to the men in grey The piper's come, it's time to pay We're taking back what you stole away Cause you can't break me I belong, you belong, we belong to the union I belong, you belong, we belong to the union You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet, www.3cr.org.au. 3CR. And time for a little bit of working class culture with a poem from Natasha. Now, listener, if the kiddies are tuned in with you this morning and you don't want them to hear the inclusion of an Anglo-Saxon word, you can send them out of the room for one minute and 42 seconds while we listen to BL Blues. BL Blues. So many stories told by comrades round bars of blues in the old, the day the general died. Death shocks us back to life, and the past missed in all the strife, until history insists that the stories that made the man be told by comrades round bars of blues in the old. The day the general died, they looked behind the man, behind the spectacles and scandals that submerged the urge to solidarity, to act with fucking dignity. You couldn't wait for them to ask what you'd done to say, I'm a builder's labourer, son, a name of pride where you dared to struggle and to win side by side, or lose and wait at the padlocked gate for the means of survival till the stirring revival in broken old hearts from the fragments of union mourning at Normie's grave sends a message to Reith's second wave. Gallagher is dead, but the legacy is still alive in the words of the late Joe Hill. Don't mourn, organise his last testament, his will. 3CR Well, good morning, Bagman. How are you? Oh, good morning, Susan. I'm not in the best of health at the moment, but, you know, I'll explain explain that to you in a minute. And we should put in the disclaimer here that 
we have to pre-record this program on a Wednesday um, to go to air on a Friday. So it's not all the up-to-date news, but we try. Um, but I've had a couple of procedures this week, Susan, at the John Faulkner Hospital. I'd recommend anybody that's sick to go there. I've had what's called a colonoscopy. Yes, I know it. Drop. Yeah, so they put the tube down your throat and up your bum and they meet somewhere in the middle. Mm. And out of all that, they found out that I'm going to have to have my gallstones removed. So I'm not coming to you cynical, bitter and twisted this week. I'm coming to you full of bile for the coming time. <laughs> but It's funny that they were going to remove some gallstones from me and I had to wait a couple of months. And, of course, I did some things with my diet. And the next time they looked, they could only find one and it was very tiny. So I didn't bother with any surgical procedure. Yeah, yeah I believe that you can um, reduce the stones by a diet, but uh, I'm going to have them out and uh, yeah, over and done with them. But anyway, on this day, Susan, in this week, actually, in 1938, unionised waterside workers in Port Kembla refused to load pig iron bound for military production in Japan. Now, we all know that Robert Menzies earned the nickname Pig Iron Bob because he was selling scrap metal to Japan to send it back to us in, in the form of bullets to kill our soldiers. <sighs> yes, Pig Iron Bob. Pig Iron Bob. And then you, you really do wonder about politicians. The most dangerous the most dangerous and ignorant politician at, at the moment is a bloke called Craig Kelly because Australia's medicine regulator has issued a public statement saying its lawyers have written to United Australia Party leader Craig Kelly alleging the party has breached copyright and demanding it stop distributing incomplete in other words, ridiculous fact of adverse event reports relating to COVID vaccine, which the TGA believes was should be seriously misleading. Now, you can't pick up a, a, a copy of the Age newspaper these days. I don't know how much they've sold their soul for. You cannot pick up a copy of the Age newspaper without hearing from Craig Kelly. Now, Craig Kelly is the bloke that believes you should stick a worming ointment up your clacker to get rid of COVID-19. Well, let him do that. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't try it on himself, Susan. Well. <laughs> but anyway, the TGA said its lawyers had written to Kelly alleging the breach of copyright and demanding you... UAP, Stop Distributing Incomplete Extracts of Adverse Events. Now, this bloke cannot be stopped. Uh, he doesn't care. He's backed by Clive Palmer. So even if they were to throw him in jail, uh, Clive Palmer would still look after this particular 
fat boy. Uh, and he was, by the way, Susan, he was seen on the steps of Parliament uh, the other day with another um, calorie-enhanced buffoon, Bernie Finn, surrounded by neo-nut, in, in fact. <sighs> yes, well, I wish he'd stop sending me texts on my phone. Yeah, I got one this morning, Susan. I got one this morning. And it's amazing, uh, the people on the steps of Parliament, if you imagine those people that have formed or built gallows and have hung effigies of Dan Andrews, have threatened his family and his children, can you imagine if they were a group of Muslims or any other ethnic group uh, occupying the steps of Parliament, uh, Bernie Finn and uh, Clive uh, Palmer and uh, Kelly would be asking that they be cited for treason and that they be sent out of this country. Imagine if it were women holding up a gallows. Oh, yes, you can imagine then. But uh, look, this is shocking stuff, and it might be my, by a minority, but it's a minority of fascists and uh, and, uh, and Nazis. I've, I have a friend, Anne Blair, who wrote to me and said, all the gullible, ignorant supporters of the National Socialist, now read Nazis, are adding force on, on social media threatening Dan Andrews. She said, but they are so stupid. They don't realise that they are calling for the type of regime they are protesting against. She said, this is how Hitler, Mussolini and Frank Franco rose to power. Yes, and how true. Thank you, Anne. I also mm. noticed a chap called David Davis. Oh, yes, yeah, the liberal. Yep, he's um, trying to get pre-selection for the electorate of Q. Well, um, all I can say is good luck to him, but uh, if he wants to uh, be seen on the steps of Parliament with uh, people that have erected a noose uh, and a gallows and hung the effigies of Dan Andrews, then good luck to him in getting pre-selection. Similar sort of stuff they done to Julia Gillard when they said ditch the witch, Bob Brown's bitch and whatever. They never had, the, at least they had the sense not to build the gallows and uh, try and hang an effigy of our, our Julie. It's just proof that the far, far right has succeeded in pushing violence as a political solution. Exactly right, Susan. And we only have to see that uh, the, the latest uh, marches through the city of Melbourne with people carrying Donald Trump flag. What, how has our nation slipped to this point? And I've, I've said it before, and you disagree with me, I know, the internet is evil. It's evil. And it, uh, it should be reined in with uh, QAnon supporters who put out these fantastic theories. You know, can you imagine? They believe that our politicians underneath their skin are actually lizard people and that they are actually pedophiles. Can you imagine the intelligence 
good, very folks. What intelligence? Well, yeah, yeah. Anyway, look, I had a good uh, a good message from uh, Craig McGregor. Now he's the Victorian Allied Health Professionals Association Union, and he's appalled by the threats of violence made in relation to politicians and their staff that we have seen in Melbourne over the past few days. Craig says these cowardly actions appear to be linked to the pandemic management bill, anti-vaccination, anti-lockdown and anti-public health measures. He goes on to say, nothing can justify this sort of self, uh, selfish, anti-social and anti-democratic behaviour. The union condemns in the strongest terms the fear-mongering, and threatening behaviour that has been directed at the state government and the crossbenchers and their staff. Well, it's good to see that someone is speaking out against this because there's been a pretty deafening silence from Canberra and indeed from the ALP in this state about these demonstrators, these protesters, these people who believe that they're personal wishes to go down the pub or go shopping are much more important than public health. I know, Susan, but they also hang their coat on the fact that these people may be going to vote for them in the future. Precisely. Uh, They're having five bob each way, but fat boys like Kelly and Finn ought to be condemned for the actions they've taken associating with neo-Nazis, especially on the uh, steps of the parliament of this country. Yes. <sighs> it's, uh, we have no education in this country. I've said for some time, for 30 years, I have complained about the attacks upon education and people weren't getting educated. And now look, what do we have left? People who... Ah, will believe, will believe a moron, will believe a television celebrity. Oh, by the way, talking Mm. about television celebrities, have you heard it from that chef lately? That Uh, chef? No, I haven't. That Peter someone? Oh, him. Yes. Do we need to mention his name? Well, no one else has for months. <laughs> Sorry, I, I keep thinking he was so full of himself, that bloke. Mm, yeah, well, Pete Evans, but we weren't going to mention his name. Uh, I don't believe that he warrants a mention. But anyway, word on the street is that there are lots of little neo-Nazis floating around with MPs, Craig Kelly and Bernie Finn. But possibly the greatest, the most gross sign at the uh, anti-lockdown protest was a sign that said, and can you believe this, and they've really tested the intelligence of these people, it said, unvaxxed sperm is the next Bitcoin. Are you making that up? No, I'm not. Uh, I've got a photograph of it here of a man standing on the roof addressing the very small crowds of uh, fascists and uh, whatever, and it said, unvaxxed sperm 
is the next Bitcoin. Now, as my old man used to say, you can't put brains in monuments. Well, no one put brains in this bloke. Uh, when they come to handing him out, he was well, well behind the door. You know, once upon a time, of course, things were different in my day, but things were different when I was young. And someone standing around with a sign like that would be taken away by men in white coats. <laughs> well, they would, Susan, but there are many of them at the moment. Well, not many. There are a couple of them, a couple of hundred of them, or even a hundred of them, camping out on the, on the uh, steps of Parliament uh, with the same ideas that every politician under the skin is a person, is a lizard person, and they're pedophiles. Uh, <sighs> this well, is another. This is another idea they've taken from USA, when it was said that Hillary Clinton was running a pedophile ring from a pizza parlor. Exactly, Susan, and you know what happened to the person who run that pizza parlor? An innocent person running an innocent pizza parlor. Well, someone come in and shot him dead because they believed that in the cellar of the pizza parlour, there were thousands of young people uh, being sexually assaulted on a daily basis by Hillary Clinton uh, and uh, Barack Obama. <sighs> big anyway, seller. Yeah, big seller. Anyway, how about some congratulations this week uh, to Tanya Plibersek on being the longest-serving woman in the Australian House of Representatives. And I could not be prouder to have her as a colleague. Uh, good luck to her. I think she should be Prime Minister, but they're not going to ditch Albo, so they're letting Scott Morrison in with a chance. Good on you, Tanya. Yeah. And some of the good news that's coming out, Susan, is, you know, hospitality workers, people who work in restaurants, cafes and whatever, have been ripped off something shocking over the years. Now, because of COVID, and let's say that some good things came of COVID, but dishwashers, dishwashers, yeah. believe it or not, are demanding up to $50 an hour to work on weekends, and restaurant managers are being offered $20,000 signing bonuses by rival eateries. The restaurant tours, uh, the government attack the industry's wages, their penalty rates, uh, they ripped them off, they uh, indulged in wage theft, and now because they can't get any, any proper staff because of what they've done in the past, they have to offer dishwashers and waiters and waitresses and whatever up to $50 an hour. Now, that's what I call karma. What's the minimum wage, I wonder? Well, the minimum, well, if there was a legal rate of pay to be paid um, for a casual, it's about $25 an hour without taking into account penalty rates, superannuation, overtime and whatever. But this industry went out to, and people like George Calambaris went out to rob these workers and now that they can't get good staff, 
they actually have to pay them a decent living wage. I would prefer to be served by someone getting paid a decent living wage. Oh, absolutely, and you and me wouldn't mind paying for it if we knew that the staff that were serving our food, cooking our food, washing our dishes, were actually paid the right rate of pay. Well, when I'm paying $5.50 for a cup of coffee, which I paid this morning, I would assume... Really? Yeah, at South Melbourne Market, I would assume that that the person who made the coffee for me was getting paid properly. You should assume nothing, Susan, because for many, many, many years, those people that made your coffee uh, were not being paid the legal rates of pay. Yes, it's disgraceful. Well, that's the system that we had, and now they're begging people to come back to work in their restaurants and offering them a decent living wage. Almost the minimum wage. Well, $50 an hour is, uh, is above. If, if we're talking about Monday to Friday, that's above the, the rate of pay. And if they were working on weekends, I'd expect that they were paid a little a bit more. Well, anyway, we, Susan, I've we, got a I've got a wrap up today because I'm going to have a couple of weeks off. Uh, I'm going to be on a paddle steamer down the Murray River sometime this week. I'll be back at some time in the near future. <laughs> on the Let's paddle steamer. So. On the paddle steamer. On the paddle steamer. I'll be there for four or five days, and I've been looking forward to it because. I think everybody should now help those struggling businesses, even those that weren't paying the legal rates of pay, to, um, to travel within Victoria to help our economy. Cruising down the river. Even, I'll, I'll send you some photos by the latest uh, technology, the wonders of modern technology on, uh, on Facebook, Susan. Anyway... Let's go out in the same old way. Oh, why not? Dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Good morning from left after breakfast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming along. Thanks for the ride. And I'll see you here, same time, same place, next week. But I will leave you once again with that beautiful Roy Bailey song. The food is all gone And the schools are all damaged Houses and hospitals flattened to dust They're making their way to a distant border To pay out their savings to find a new life Masalam, my friend Masalam, dear neighbour I wish you much strength as you head out to sea You won't have a name when you reach a new country All they will call you will be refugee 
Their fathers, they worked so hard all their years They took all the money they made in their life Sons and daughters went down to the water Left in a boat that sank and they died Masalam, my friend, masalam, dear neighbour We wish you much strength as you head out to sea You won't have a name when you reach your new country All they will call you will be a refugee Now all are illegal and all are not wanted The camps are all full so they have to move on Many hard roads to a distant country They're treated like outlaws, like criminals, refugees They'll die in the hills and they'll die in the deserts They'll die in the valleys, they'll die on the plains They'll die on the barbed wire, they'll die under lorries Both sides of the seas, they'll die just the same Masalam, my friend, masalam, dear neighbour We wish you much strength as you head out to sea You won't have a name when you reach a new country And all they will call you will be refugee Their small boat sank, it was so overloaded Far out at sea with no saviour in sight Where were the lifebelts? Where was the rescue? The radio said they were just refugees. Masalam, my friends. Masalam, dear neighbor. I wish you much strength as you head out to sea. You won't have a name when you reach a new country. All they will call you will be refugee This is the best way we can help those in trouble. Is this the best way we can give them a hand? They drown in the seas, they die in the bombings, and all they will call them will be refugee. Masalam, my friend, Masalam, dear neighbor. Wish you much strength as you head out to sea You won't have a name when you reach your new country And 
all we will call you will be refugee. Marcella, my friend, Marcella, dear neighbor, we wish you much strength as you head out to sea. You won't have a name when you reach your new country. And all we will call you will be refugees.